Okay, welcome back to another week of Shooter Backed It. Uh, we're up getting into the thick of the uh, autumn, summer autumn carnival now, and some really big races up and running. We'll start with our uh, racing expert, uh, News Limited uh, racing editor, Chris Venuccio. How are you? Hi, John. Hi, Phil. Going pretty well. I'd probably be a lot better if Asphora had a one on the weekend. And before we throw to our uh, punter of the week, uh, Philip Georgios, I've just got a little bit of audio for, for everyone. I thought that number two, Hayasuji, who um, I think won the the, um, the preview, uh, has no reason to, there's no reason to jump off it. And I think you're getting about $10. So, Philip, off the back of that audio, two questions for you. Number one, uh, what do you think of the pronunciation of that horse? And number two, uh, are you glad we left out your Asphora prediction? Yeah, I've absolutely butchered that, haven't I, John? But I'm actually just a bit blown away by your use of technology, mate. I think that's the first time you've managed to drop previous uh, sort of sounds into the uh, podcast. So I'm pretty happy about that. And I can must say was very happy with that result, regardless of the fact I couldn't say the horse's name properly what, last What week. price was it in the end? I think I, I, I scrounged out about an $8.50. I'm not sure what the starting price was, but yeah, I... Um, where I was on course, about 200 metres from the finish line, I actually couldn't quite tell who had got the job done. So I was listening very uh, intently to the race caller there just to make sure that the money was safely in the pocket. Well, we'll dig into that race in a moment. Uh, we must start with the Group 1. So, Phil, while your mic is hot, we'll get you to talk about Mr Brightside's victory and uh, and how you saw some of the uh, horses behind it. Yeah, well, aside from Asphora, it was actually a pretty good day for punters, I thought, at Caulfield. And Mr. Brightside probably saved a few that lost lost their money in that previous race um, with Asphora. But yeah, it was a, a fabulous return. And I think if you watch the race back, not many horses made ground on those two on those two leaders, Pride of Jenny and, and Buffalo River. And, you know, Mr. Brightside kind of went had to go past a few. I think V8 might have made a spot up sort of late, but... It was actually a pretty um, against the pattern, I suppose, of that race to make ground. And yeah, I mean, we've probably in the conversation for best horse in Australia, and certainly um, stamped that stamped that claim with another another big Group One win. So yeah, it was uh, very on course. It was a pretty excited times for a lot of punters who um, I think had loaded up uh, on, on on the horse, which started at about a dollar seventy. So uh, yeah. Good win by the in a time honoured race, Chris. What did you make of it? Yeah, that was a pretty tough win by Mr. Brightside, and and I thought that was the only thing that was going to bring it undone was if it was a how strong that tempo was going to be, and it was it was a pretty strong one as well. And and Mr. Brightside was just able to to lift and get the job done. He's only going to, going to improve and be a lot harder to beat next start, and then towards the All Star Mile. And I think the same with Pride of Jenny. She, look, she looks like she's going to be in for a, a good campaign as well, but she's going to be up against Mr. Brightside again, possibly in the Futurity and the All-Star Mile again. Uh, I think it comes down to you know the prices you're going to get. I mean, Mr. Brightside probably beats her again, but if you're getting odds on for Mr. Brightside and Pride of Jenny $6, $7, you might as well have a go at her each way and you know just hope she might be able to maybe next next time make it just that little bit harder for Mr. Brightside to catch her. Yeah, I reckon that's a great call, Big V. I, I thought, you know, going into the race prior to Jenny didn't have that first up form and the fact that she was able to run that well first up and almost almost get the job done probably looked the winner 
until very late suggests that she's in for another great prep and certainly stepped up. So, yeah, if I'm getting similar odds next time, I'm, I'm almost thinking about whether I would uh, might switch up that bet. When we look at the undercard from Caulfield, we had the two Blue Diamond Prelude winners, Hayasugi, the aforementioned, as well as Bodyguard. And we had uh, Snow Patrol, Yonsei, Kalos, all featuring on the winners list as well. And Fully Lit won the big two-year-old race up in Sydney, the English Millennium. Uh, Chris, I might get your uh, anything out there, uh, out of that that jumped out at you? Yeah, I'll go to the Rubicon Stakes. Obviously, uh, Asfura, I, I backed her, but there was a bit of commentary that she had her chance and may have been a little bit disappointing, but um, I, I have a different opinion. I mean, Kalos was uh, very good. He's a talented horse. He won three in a row last year, and I think we're all on him when he won in Adelaide last year. But I, I just think that Asfura does have a lot more to give because you've got to, you've got to be mindful that the target is the Oakley Plate. And, you know, and she was going to come in you know, not not a bit soft, but maybe with a, a bit more that she can she can offer. And you look at last year, Uncommon James got beat in the Rubiton Stakes and then won the Oakley Plate. So I think they're gonna they're following that same pattern. And I, I I'm pretty keen to stick with her in the the Oakley Plate. And I think we're gonna get a a better price than what we would have otherwise had she won on Saturday. Might let you hold the mic there, Big V. I'm actually interested in your views too on the uh, on the two year olds because we saw both of those hot pot favourites go down. I think probably High Octane was the one of the two horses I thought that had excuses. Really got caught in behind the leader there and never really had a run until late. Very hard to make an assessment around whether that that was what what sort of the horse put in in that run and whether it'll be able to move forward. I, I don't I don't know. The market certainly suggesting we're not going to get you know, the big two-year-old winners out of those two races. But um, I'm very interested in your thoughts. I saw there was a little bit of commentary too, Big V, um, around the ride of Bold Bastille following the event. And I, I thought that was a little bit harsh, to be honest. I thought it was probably beaten, one of the first beaten, and, and you know, ha- had every chance to win. I'll start with High Octane first. And he was the horse I was really keen to, to follow going into the Blue Diamond. And the frustrating thing is you don't really know what... Um, what he was going to, where he was going to finish on Saturday because he was held up, had to wait a long time for a gap opened and really was, didn't get out of second gear. And, um, but that, that's the thing. It's, um, it looked like it was just a barrier trial for him. But, you know, you, you've got to take that leap of faith going into the Blue Diamond where you want to see, you probably want to see things just unfold quite well for him and then you can make a much better assessment. So uh, it, it is a, a tricky one. I'm, I'm still going to be on side with high octane, and, and I think Coleman looks like the, the, the main threat as well. But the, you know the first two here, Bodyguard and Stay Focused, they've got a lot of improvement as well to come. So I think it's going to be a an open blue diamond. Um, the only horse you sort of mentioned, John, as we were going through those winners, was Fully Lit up in Sydney, and I thought that was a particularly impressive win. The way it was able to uh, sprint and, and just really put a gap on that field in a pretty short amount of time. So it's obviously got a, a pretty uh, pretty impressive form um, line early in its career and one that I'll definitely be keeping a very close eye on because, yeah, I was, I was a bit blown away by the way it put away that field. All right, shifting back to the older horses, uh, before we get into next week's races, um, just a couple of things that are – a couple of little trends I want to get your uh, thoughts on, boys. 
Uh, Chris, we had a bit of a chat in the pre-production. You mentioned that the uh, three-year-old Colt B8 has a bit of a decision to make coming out of the CFO about whether it drops back in distance to the new market or goes up to the Australian guineas and races against the three-year-olds. So what do you think it should do? As a general rule, what do you think about three-year-olds running against the older horses at this time of year? We've got a couple going uh, around this weekend in the Lightning and then I think a big superstar returning up in Sydney as well against the older horses. What are your thoughts on all of that? I did read that the, the McAvoy stable are, are still undecided whether V8 goes to the guineas or drops back in distance in the new market. And I'm look, I just thought it was it just makes sense going towards the Australian guineas. I, I thought that was a great run. I don't think there's any question marks whether he was strong. He he wasn't strong enough over the fourteen hundred and and whether he'll be he'll be able to run out the mile. He did run second in the Caulfield Guineas last year. He's, he's had a pretty good career. The only time he ran poorly was in the Guineas prelude, and that was because my money was on him, and he suddenly forgot how to run around a bend at Caulfield. So, you know, he's got a pretty good record, and I think winning the Guineas would be more likely than the the new market. I think at the moment he'll be the top seed. We'll just see how King Colorado goes on Saturday. But the, the three-year-olds do have a, a good record in these sprints in the autumn, particularly the new market, if they get a low weight. But it is I do think it's a hole in the calendar. We had a couple of weeks ago New Zealand announced a, a three-year-old sprint slot race, and I just think that that's a, a missed opportunity for Racing Victoria. I think that, you know, I think they've they've missed the kick on having a, three, a rich three-year-old race for sprinters in the autumn because there isn't one. It's more for the, the milers and the the staying types. So that's something I'd, I'd like to see and, you know, probably not too late, but th- there is that hole for the, the three-year-old sprinters. Phil, on a similar theme, we had eight nominations. They had to extend nominations for the Lightning Stakes uh, this weekend. And there were some races earlier in the year, including a few around the Magic Millions Carnival as well uh, in the lead up to that that were quite undersubscribed. Do you read anything into that? Yeah, I guess anytime you've got a you know a Group One race and it's only getting a few nominations, you've got to look at that, right? Like these are meant to be the premier uh, races that you know that highlight a day. That you know, well, we remember we had fields like that when Black Caviar was running around it, but that was because we had Black Caviar. You would you would hope and you'd expect, particularly at this point of the season, where we're still very early on, to be getting. Uh, you know, much bigger fields than that. And, and perhaps it's a, you know, one of your favourite discussion points is around scheduling and perhaps it's an opportunity to look at that because if there's a reason and, uh, that, that we're only getting small numbers and we are getting some good horses, having said that, you know, we're probably getting the best sprinter in Australia um, coming along and participating. So it's not as if the, the actual participants aren't strong. And I think that also helps with, with the betting interest. You're not, getting the odds that you probably would usually want around some of these horses. Imperatrice will, is $1.90 now, probably not likely to budge from that. In fact, probably will start shorter than $1.90. That makes it a really hard race to bet into, uh, particularly with some of the other horses not being, I suppose, specialist 1,000-metre horses. So it's hard to see them being able to get past Imperatrice if, if she is up and about and ready to go. So, yeah, it does sometimes make it a bit more of a watch race, but you know, you, you know, got some pretty horses, pretty good horses in there that have had, you know, Group One winners and you know Everest place getters. So, 
yeah, overall, the, the field itself is okay. But, yeah, do get your point around the size of it. And while your mic's on, who do you think is going to win it? You know, if Imperatrice is right, um, there's no reason to think that she, do, she doesn't remain the best horse and the best sprinter in Australia. There are obviously, um, you know, Private Eye, fantastic performance, um, was great in the spring again, has some first up form, but just maybe a 1,000 will be a little bit short for it, probably flying home. And, yeah, no, you got some other, you know, you know, good good chances, but, you know, it's hard to see them getting past her. Yeah, I wouldn't be diving into her price. There, there was a lot of discussion about her her trial the other week, and trial, trials are a lot different to race day. And, you know, she probably can just come out and just blow this field away. But I think at that price, I can just sit back and watch her and just and just see which horses are there to follow later into the autumn and, and which horses we can make some money off. And I think one of those could be Espiona. She looks really in good shape. She doesn't have a, a strong first up record, and she's at the thousand here first up. But I, I, she's the one that I'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, I, I don't think you'd be touching her on the weekend. But as as you say, Big V, she's she's could be the boom horse. Chris, uh, do you have anything else you like around the country this weekend? Well, I'm really keen on King Colorado, and I think he's paying a, a really good price. Been a while since he's won. I think his last win was in the JJ Atkins. He didn't have a, a great spring, you know. It was it was started off all right, but then just tapered off a little bit. But that was a, a really impressive first up run, and I think you know the sectionals that he ran. I think he's just going to be a lot better at Flemington over the fourteen hundred, and if he's going to be a threat in the Australian Guineas, he should be going close to winning a race like this. Yeah, um, for me, John. I mean. There's the two obvious uh, Imperatries and Jimmy Star, but you wouldn't be backing into those at their prices that they are. So it's very hard at this time of year because we've got a lot of um, resuming horses. Um, and a couple of those that I don't certainly liked at the end of last prep and we'll be watching closely would be in race six, uh, Molly Nickers is coming back after its pretty sound performance uh, in a group one at the end of its prep last uh, in spring. And then also the race before that, race five, uh, Wish Laurel Lass, I think, is maybe worth a crack at mm. around the $3 mark. Again, coming in, I think, fourth in a group one in its previous start. But with both of those, you really want to be looking in the mounting yard, making sure Jane Ival or whoever's doing the mounting yard saying they're looking ready to go because if it's just a, you know, first first start and they're looking to bigger and better things, it, it can be a challenging punting day. Chris, I might, might as well ask you that as well. Do you have any of the uh, quite a lot of big name horses coming back this weekend? Uh, any that you see, maybe not to win this weekend, but you're very keen to see what they come back with uh, with later in the autumn in mind? Yeah, I agree with Phil uh, with the, the Tresaday. I think Wishlaw, uh, that, that race is one that I'm really interested in. I think uh, Wishlaw last doesn't have a, um, her second form is a lot, second, her second up form is a lot better than her first up. And then you've got Vagrant with three in a row. She's got the, the fitness and better suited back up to 1,400. Uh, aside from that, yeah, you, you look at Sydney, you know, a couple of good races, you know, small fields as we talked about before. Uh, first of all, with the, the Triske, I, I was disappointed with Say Magique in the spring. I thought she, earlier in her prep, she looked like she had a lot more to offer after her first two runs. And third up, she looked like she was 
you know, ready to win, got beat, and then it just fell away for her. So I want to see how she comes back in the the Triske Stakes and the the Apollo Stakes. You know, Fangirl is the the favourite in in that race. I think she just wins the Apollo. You know, think it over for the Quinella, and um, I, I think Fangirl should have a, a a big prep in her as well. All right, gents, we're uh, nearly at the end, so final furlong time. I want to go down memory lane with you guys this week. Uh, we might get your uh, a, a fond, uh, fond Black Caviar Lightning Stakes winner, other than the great Bonnie Mare herself, uh, who you uh, can think of from Lightning Stakes past. Phil, we might go to you first. Yeah, well, I was happening to watch Racing.com the other day, and they had the the full lineup of the last sort of 20 to 25 winners, so I am refreshed on who's been winning in recent times, but... The one that stands out for me is quite recent and I'm definitely talking through my wallet and subsequently the punters club that we're all involved with wallet and that was in her time in 2019. I remember actually I was with you at that time in a pub, John, and uh, I reckon, yeah, we got around each other when she got up because we had a really good go and I think we got around the $6 mark, maybe a touch under. So yeah, really impressive win by her and you know, I don't think she maybe won a race after that. I can't remember, but, you know, it was certainly a, a memorable experience. And a cheerio to all the punters down at the Mountain View Hotel in Richmond who were around us that day. Chris, what about you? Well, last year we had Cool and Gatta win the, the Lightning, a three-year-old filly. But the last time before that was 20 years ago with Regimental Gal. So it just shows how tough it is for, the, the three, for a three-year-old filly to win. And, you know, Regimental Girl was a... You know, it was a, a really top-class filly, and it's just taken so long for another another filly to win the race. So, you know, more, my point of view is more from a, a historical context. Just the way I love it. Happy Valentine's Day to all our listeners, all our punters. Uh, Phil, take us out. As always, good luck on the punt and gamble responsibly. <laughs>